continuing the series on um, faith toward God, which is the second out of the six foundational doctrines as taught to us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And uh, there are the six, which is repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, laying of hands, resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And so in the series on faith toward God, we are looking at um, a section of applying faith in our daily lives and how do we uh, go about applying faith in our walk so that we can uh, benefit and reap the rewards of that because remember our Lord did say to us very plainly in the, in the New Testament that the just shall live by faith under this dispensation that we live in the church dispensation we're to live by faith old covenant they had to live by the law they had to live by that which was written in the law of Moses but under the new covenant, the church, we're called to live by faith. It's an instruction given to us by God. And in fact, the scripture very plainly says to us that anything not done by faith is in fact sin. And uh, the reason that it is sin is because it's a commandment. When the Lord says the just shall live by faith, he is not uh, suggesting we live by faith. It is a commandment given to us by God. The just shall live by faith. He gives us that commandment. He expects us to live by faith. And we've had a look at a whole lot of aspects about faith, about the fact that God has given us faith and we can walk in the faith of Jesus Christ our Lord. But with regards to this topic of applying faith in life, we've had a look at a, a few uh, aspects of it. We've looked at the fact that we can have and we should have what we say. And in fact, we do have what we say. Our Lord Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And uh, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth good things, and the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart will bring forth evil things. And so we have no choice in the matter. That which is in our heart in abundance, because our Lord said, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And so for that which we have in abundance in our heart comes automatically out of our mouths. Um, over, the, over the long term, over, the, over a short uh, interim period, we said that we can control what we say for a period of time. But um, as we go through life, what is ever in, is in our heart in abundance, that will come out automatically. We have no choice in the matter. And so the, the key is to make sure that we have the Word of God in our heart in abundance, because then that is what will come out of our heart. Remember our Lord said, a good man out of the good treasure in his heart will bring forth good things. And we are, are born of a good God, and we have the good Word of God living in, in our hearts. And that is what should be coming out of our mouths. And that is what we will have in our lives. For our Lord said, uh, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that the things which he says shall come to pass, that he shall have whatsoever, whatsoever he says. And so that principle is a, a principle that God the Father has put in place in the kingdom, um, in, this, in this life that we live in now, everywhere that God has said that we will have what we say. And so we need to control what we say. And the way we control what we say is we control what goes into our hearts in abundance. Then we looked at the, the, the fact that we must watch what we look at. The Bible says that we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are eternal. And so it is very important for us to be completely focused on seeing the Word of God in our life and seeing that which is eternal, and the Word of God is eternal. Um, and so whatever it is that you might be uh, expecting God to do in your life, you need to be focused on that. You cannot take your eye off of the Word of God 
and what he says about the situation and look in the natural. Because as you do, as you look in the natural, you will, it will affect your faith. And when it, your faith is, is affected, it's always going to be in the area of doubt. And that will then obviously cut off the, the, the power of God from flowing in your life. And we had a look at the, the example of, of uh, Peter walking on the water. And as long as he was focused on the Lord and he, on, on the Lord's word, he could walk on water. But the moment that he took his eyes off of the Lord and he looked at his circumstances, um, doubt arose and he sank and the power of God was cut off in his life. And so it's very important for us to control what we look at and to make sure that we consistently are looking at the Word of God, no matter what the circumstances might look like. We don't, we don't um, acknowledge them. We ignore the circumstances. And I don't want to go into any depth on that because we, we touched on that subject. And then we had a look at acting on the Word of God. It is important for us to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Because we're blessed in that which we do, and not which, not in that which we hear. It is good to hear the word of God. It is good to uh, meditate on the word of God and, and absorb the word of God. But unless you actually put the word of God into practice, unless we go out and do that which the word of God says to do, we will never experience the fullness of the blessing of God in our lives. And so that is another aspect we looked at. And then we looked at the fact that faith needs hope. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we saw that hope is always futuristic. Hope always looks to the future. Hope um, looks at the promise of God and hopes that that promise will be made manifest in, in, our, in our lives. Faith says, okay, hope, if that's what you want to happen in your life, I've given it to you. Faith says you have it now. Hope says I'm looking for it to be made manifest. And so in expectation, hope uh, waits for the, the, the promise of God to be made manifest in our lives. Faith is attached to hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so if you have no hope, if you do not um, look at the word of God and say, Lord, that is what I want from you. That is, that is what I'm, I'm looking for in my life uh, from your word. Um, You'll never get it because you, you can't attach faith to it. Faith needs hope. Hope on its own, we saw, doesn't work. For it's impossible. It, it, people say, let's just hope and pray. And hoping and praying does not get the job done. Um, faith gets the job done. But faith needs hope in order for it to bring into manifestation that which is hopeful. And so we had a look at those various aspects of applying faith to our daily life. And today we want to look at uh, one further aspect of replying faith to our daily life, and that is the aspect of faith and patience. In the scriptures many times, whenever faith is mentioned, patience is mentioned alongside of faith. And uh, it's almost impossible for us to, to have faith and not need patience in order for faith to have its work. Um, and so let's open up with a scripture along this line. Um, faith and patience inherit the, the prom inherit the promises of God. Um, as I say, very often in scripture, when you see faith mentioned, patience is mentioned alongside faith. The two work in conjunction together. And just as faith needs hope, very often, not always, and we're going to look at that through scripture today, um, very often but not always, faith needs patience in order for uh, the manifestation of God's promise to be made manifest in our lives. And so the scripture we want to look at is in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. And the scripture says, That you do not become sluggish, 
um, but imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. And so when the writer of Hebrews makes this particular comment, he, we had just gone through Hebrews chapter 11, and Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter that is dedicated to uh, looking at all the Old Testament saints and how they uh, received their promises from God. They, God had promised them certain things, and each one of them, through faith, had received those promises. But in, verse, in, in uh, chapter 12, um, sorry, I'm getting a bit mixed up. This is chapter 6 we're looking at. Verse Chapter 11 is further on down the line. But he's basically saying that we need to be looking at all the examples in the Old Testament. And when we do, we're to look at the fact that through faith and patience, these Old Testament saints inherited the promises of God. And he, he, he starts out that comment by saying that you do not become sluggish. And so that is the temptation that uh, Christians can go through, is that when the promise of God is not made manifest immediately, and when the promise of God is not made manifest in the short term, the, the temptation is to become sluggish in your Christian walk. Because, you know, I'm not seeing the results. So, you know, do I really, should I really continue down this line? I mean, you know, do I really need to be as faithful as everybody says in this particular area? because I'm not seeing any results out of this. And um, the writer tells us we're not to become sluggish, but we're, look at, we're to look at the Old Testament saints and look at their example and see how the fact is that they inherited the promises of God. But when they inherited the promises of God, very often it was faith linked with patience in which they were able to inherit the promises of God. And the two... Always, not, not always, but very often, work, walk hand in hand. In that the promise, promises of God are materialized when we exercise faith alongside with patience. And each promise of God, every promise of God to the body of Christ is yes and, and amen in Christ Jesus. There's not one promise it recorded in the New Testament scriptures that um, are not... Yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Each one of them is yes and amen to every single child of God. So every promise of God is available to every child of God. There's not one child of God who has uh, favor, more favor than another. God is no respecter of persons. He shows no partiality to anyone. And so all of the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. And it is up to us to, uh, to obtain those promises. And the only way we can is by faith. Um, for without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And so we have to uh, receive those promises from God by faith. And some of the promises, um, well, I don't, I don't jump ahead of myself, but every promise of God will only be made manifest to us if we believe it by faith. But there's also some, some of the promises of God, in fact all of them, have a condition attached. And it's very important as believers that when we see a promise of God written in Scripture that we look at the condition that goes with the promise. And not just claim the promise and not meet the condition, because that is where the frustration kicks in. Because now you are thinking that you're walking in faith, 
that you can receive the promise of God, but there was a condition that went with that promise, and you've not met the condition. And if you don't meet the condition, the promise is not going to be made manifest, no matter how much faith you try and attach to it, because when, the, when there's a condition attached to the promise, we have to meet the condition. And uh, part of the condition is faith. We have to believe. But there are some t- a lot of promises in the, in the Word of God, um, and we're not going to go through all the promises in the Word of God today, but the fact is that sometimes, there is, in fact all the times, there's a condition attached and we have to meet those conditions in order for the promise of God to be made manifest in our lives. Now we come to the fact of patience because that's the topic of today's uh, discussion, um, faith and patience. Now it's not every promise of God that, is, that patience is required in order to receive the promise of God. There are some promises given to us in Scripture which are expected to be made manifest immediately. There's no delay, there's no time delay at all um, from the time that we act on the promise of God in faith and receive the manifestation of that promise in our lives. And one that is so clear to everybody, and that is the the promise of salvation in Christ Jesus. When anyone meets the conditions, remember we spoke about that, there are conditions that are required in order for the promises to be made manifest in our lives. And now we're talking about the, the promise of salvation, for it is, it's a promise given unto everybody on the planet, that if you meet these conditions, you will be saved. And we looked at the conditions uh, in an earlier teaching with regards to salvation. What do we have to do? There's two conditions we have to meet. We have to believe in our heart that God has raised Christ Jesus our Lord from the dead. And we have to confess with our mouths uh, Him as Lord. And those are the two conditions that we have to meet. We have to believe it in our hearts and we have to confess Him with our mouths. And when we meet those two conditions, we are instantly saved. We are instantly born again. God the Father instantaneously does the miracle of the new birth in our hearts. There is no time delay at all that takes place in receiving the miracle of the new birth. It is not a case of you meet those two conditions and now you have to wait patiently because um, God's still going to take his time. And, you know, if you really... Uh, spend time in repentance and you really spend time fasting, then God's going to save you. No, the moment you meet the two conditions, you are saved. That is the word of God to us. And so there's no patience required in obtain, obtaining the promise of salvation because that, that promise is made manifest instantaneously. However, as I said, there's the two conditions that have to be met in order to receive that promise, that that manifestation of that promise instantly in our lives. Then there's another uh, promise of God. And and these are just some examples that I'm putting across, just so that I can put across the principle that not every promise of God requires patience in in order to receive the promise of God being made manifest in our lives. There are many that do require patience, and we're going to go have a look at some of the categories today. But I wanted to first highlight the fact that there are certain promises of God that we should receive the manifestation of instantaneously. The moment we meet the conditions, 
then we should receive and we should see that uh, promise being made manifest in our lives instantly. And so salvation, I don't think anybody can uh, debate the, the salvation issue about the fact you meet the two conditions and that's it, you're saved instantly. The next one we can look at in Scripture is the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is not a promise of God that requires patience in order to receive. Um, now, I know that in, in uh, especially the Pentecostal circles, um, in the old days, I don't know if it happened so much anymore, that they, there was this, this, this instance of uh, tarrying meetings where people, when people used to wait on God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And some would wait on God for hours and weeks and fast and pray and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that is not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that, again, if you meet the conditions instantaneously you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no tarry. There's nothing in Scripture that tells us to, uh, we need to wait upon God in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I know on the, the day of Pentecost they were, they were kind of waiting upon the Lord, but that was because the Holy Spirit, the Lord had said to them, the Holy Spirit would only be released into the earth on that particular day. And so they had to wait. And that is the only time that they had to wait. But since that time, the Holy Spirit has been released by God the Father, and He will fill every one of His children instantly once they meet the conditions. That's all He requires of us, is to meet His conditions, and then we can instantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's have a look at an example of Scripture along this line, which is in Acts uh, chapter 19 beginning at verse 6. And this is the account where Paul has found the, the 12 disciples in Ephesus. And uh, th there's been a bit of confusion that has taken place because he's found these 12 disciples. And uh, the, the, the conversation has gone around the fact, did you, have you guys, were you guys baptized when you believed? And they, they, they replied, yes, we were baptized. Um, and then Paul asked the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they say, no, we haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. And so Paul backs up and he said, okay, but then to what were you baptized if you, you, know, you don't know about this? And they said, well, we were baptized into John's baptism. And so the penny drops with Paul. He says, oh, okay, so you guys are not actually born again. Um, and he then points them. He says, uh, John actually uh, preached a baptism of repentance but, and telling people that they need to believe on the Messiah who would come after him, which is Jesus Christ. And he points them to Jesus Christ. They then believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord. They are born again. And Paul baptizes them then in water. And now we pick up the account after Paul, uh, well, at the account when Paul has just been baptized in him in water. Scripture says, Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were born again and baptized in water, by the way. Um, verse 6, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied and so the instant that Paul laid hands on them uh, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues and prophesied in this instance as well not always uh, do the spiritual gifts are made manifest but always the gift of tongues is made manifest uh, when people are filled with the Holy Spirit and so what happened here is that Paul would teach them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, now he'd asked them the question. He said, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we haven't heard about it. And so Paul then 
teaches them about salvation through Christ Jesus, and they accept Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, they're baptized in water. And then Paul also teaches them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He, he, he explains to them um, that I'm going to lay hands on you now. When I do, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you will begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you utterance. And so he gives them input along this line, so they can now attach their faith. They, they're fully in expectation that this is what's going to happen to them. That when this apostle, and they didn't know Paul as an apostle at that time, they just met this man of God who was be, uh, uh, preaching the word of God to them. But they fully expected that when this man of God laid his hands on them, that this gift of the Holy Spirit that he had spoken to them about would uh, come upon them, and they would then respond by speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that's exactly what happened. There was no, Paul didn't say, look, we're going to have to now, all right, you, 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 you're saved, and we baptized you in water, but in order for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a time delay now, because, you know, some of you guys might be at the right place, some of you guys might have to get some, some things sorted out in your lives, because he is, after all, Holy Spirit, and if your life is not holy, he's, he can't come into you. No, that's not the case at all, because they were all spiritually born again, right there. Um, the scriptural, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, pattern, is that when we get born again, people should get baptized in water as soon as possible afterwards. Every, every account in scripture given to us is water baptism takes place uh, as soon as possible after um, salvation. And normally it's at this exactly the same time. And then being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that is the scriptural as, uh, pattern as well, to be baptized straight away in the Holy Spirit. Because at that time, the, the believer is, is believing because he's just had an encounter with the Lord Jesus. He's just had an encounter with God because the Holy Spirit has now just come into his spirit and he is uh, receptive to the things of God. And there's no... Um, questioning and doubt and all that kind of stuff because he's just come into the kingdom and so he's ready to receive whatever God has for him. And so it is God's will to fill his children with the Holy Spirit there and then. And you all look, you got to look at the accounts in, in New Testament. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is really should happen at the moment people get saved because that's when they're most receptive to receive in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul lays hands on them. They are filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues. In fact, these are so receptive that some of them begin to prophesy. I don't know if all, it just says that. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So the chances are that all 12 of them also began to prophesy at the same time. And that all happened as a result of one condition being met. They had to believe. And remember Paul spoke to the church at Galatia um, when he said to them, this question I want to, I just want to ask one thing from you guys. Did you receive the Holy Spirit uh, through the uh, works of, um, through works or by the hearing of faith? Kind of, that's a paraphrase, but that's pretty much the same thing. And so the only condition for the, the child of God to be filled with the Spirit of God is believe by faith. We receive the Holy Spirit by faith and then we act on it by faith. And it's instantaneous. There's no time delay. God does not say, all right, well, this child of mine I will fill the moment they're born again. But that child of mine, I'm only going to fill them 30 years from now. Um, so this child, he, he gets the benefit of being filled with the Holy Spirit for 30 years. 
and can pray in the Spirit and, and be used of God and experience the, the, the power of God in his life. But the other Christian, no, not, not really. He, I want him to wait 30 years. No, that's not how God operates at all. He has no uh, favorites. He is no respecter of persons. And so all he requires of us to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to simply believe. And the moment we believe and we receive, we receive the Holy Spirit straight away. And we speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives us utterance. And this is not a teaching on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the point is, is that that's another promise of God that should be made manifest immediately. There's no patience required. And for believers that think that they need patience in order to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they need to tarry, and they need to get their act together and all sorts of things. No, they need to believe it. They just need to believe. That's all. That's the only condition uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then there's another um, uh, promise of God that can be made manifest immediately in our lives. And that is healing. Uh, uh, healing when we, when we get sick. It is not the, the will of the Lord that anybody should be sick for any long period of time. God never intended for any of his children to be sick. Uh, and the scripture very plainly says that by his stripes we were healed. So when our Lord uh, took those stripes upon his back, and those, those stripes were very severe. Um, you know, if you go read the account of it, it, is, it, it he, was, he was brutally whipped um, and scourged. And those, that, that which he took upon himself was so that we could be made whole physically. In our, in our health. And it is, it is a promise of God to the children of God. It's the children's bread that we should be healed and walk in divine health. Now, when we, uh, when we pray and we ask the Lord to heal us, we, that, in that instance, we get healed straight away. There's no time delay from the point of view we now have to now exercise patience sorry, in order to receive our healing. Because our healing should be made manifest instantaneously. We should get well straight away. Um, that is God's, or God's best is we don't get sick because we just walk in the promises of God and we claim that and we thank, you, thank Him daily for the fact that uh, by His stripes we're healed and we walk in that. Um, because as I said, it's not the Lord's will for His children to be made sick. The only time the Lord allows sickness upon our, our life, in our lives of his will is when he needs to use sickness in order to chastise us. And I'm digressing a little bit, but that's the, uh, just to bring that out. Uh, we, the Lord does use that. Now, I know that, that that's a weird doctrine for a lot of people, but uh, there's so much scripture along that line. Um, when in just the book of, of Revelation, our Lord was speaking about that woman who called herself a prophetess and she was getting into some weird stuff. And our Lord said, I've given her time to repent. She hasn't repented. I'm going to cast her into a sickbed. And so she, sickness was going to come upon her life um, as a result of her getting out of line and not repenting. And so, yes, um, in those instances, we do need to meet the condition. And the condition in that case, that woman just needed to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done what I did. I repent. I ask your forgiveness slate is clean, that sickness doesn't come away at all, because it is the Lord's will that his children should be walking in divine health. He's made provision for us to do that. And so um, healing is another uh, promise of God that should be made manifest instantaneously. Now it might be that we don't experience the full healing instantaneously in our lives uh, for whatever reason. That's normally a case 
of the faith level is not as high as it should be, whatever. But it, what does happen is that we, the moment that we're prayed for in order to be healed, the healing process begins. And so it can be that there's a little time delay in for the completion of the healing process to take place in our bodies, in that our bodies begin to recover. And over a little period of time, the, our bodies fully then recover and we can walk around uh, completely in divine health. Remember our Lord, when he spoke to the lepers uh, and he said, go show yourself to the priest, uh, priest, as they went, they were healed. And so their bodies began to recover as they went. It wasn't instantaneous. It was a, over a very short period because, I mean, they just took a few steps and their bodies just go well because they didn't have to go that far because that one leper came back and he thanked the Lord and, you know, he uh, praised and worshipped our God. So healing is also a, a promise of God that is made manifest immediately if we meet the conditions. And normally the condition, certain, the, the most common condition for healing is faith. Simple as that. However, there might be instance, instances where there is sin in the believer's life, not in the unbeliever's life, never. The unbeliever is a sinner. And so they never have to get sin sorted out in order to be healed. They just have to believe and they get healed. But Christians, when they come along to be healed, uh, and I'm not talking about baby Christians because the Lord kind of uh, overlooks a lot of sin in, in baby Christians' lives, but I'm talking about more mature Christians who get sick. Uh, if they get sick, there's roughly two conditions that have to be met. And the one is faith and the other one is you need to get your life sorted out. Because remember in James, if any, he says, if any of you or any of among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them lay hands on him and he shall be uh, healed. And if he has committed any sin, it shall be forgiven him. And so very often within, in the Christian, the mature Christian's life, when I say mature, I'm talking about a Christian who's been in, in the Lord for an, a, a few years. They might not be mature, they not, might not be behaving much as mature Christians, but they should be. And so they, if there's sin in their lives, they've opened the door for that sickness to attack their bodies. And so very often the Lord wants them to get the sin out, the, out of the way, get forgiveness, and then they the healing uh, is received and their bodies are made well. And so those are the instances. Oh, there's, there's others. I, I just wanted to quote a few where patience is not involved. So when we go for, up for prayer for healing, we, we, we're healed and the, the healing might be instantaneous. It might start taking place there and then and be progressive. But it's not a case of I'm praying, I've been, I prayed for, for healing and now I have to wait for weeks and months in patience that my healing will be made manifest. That's not Bible. The Bible never teaches us that at all. Uh, that one gets prayed for and only after a few months does that healing then manifest. Uh, there's, there's, there's no examples in Scripture along those lines. There is examples where your healing is progressive, but it starts there and then. And then it, you get pro progressively better, and within a short space of time you're well again. Um, and then obviously a, a lot of in examples where you, there's instantaneous healing that takes place. And so those are the, uh, some of the examples of the promises of God that are made manifest immediately in our lives. Um, and no faith is required. <laughs> no uh, patience is required. Faith is always required. But no patience is required in order to have those promises made manifest in our lives. And it's very important that we differentiate 
where patience is required and where it's not required because quite often we can get confused because we're trying to apply patience and in an area that no patience was ever called for and so what has happened is that the, the believer now is, is, is kind of in limbo because the believer thinks that he's exercising patience to receive this promise of God. And there, there's no scriptural grounds for patience to be exercised in this area. Um, and so if they're not receiving, then they need to go back and check. What, there's something, they've not met the conditions. Because the moment that the conditions are met in certain promises, the, the manifestation is instantaneous. And so to think that, okay, well, I now just need to sit and wait patiently for this promise to be made. Ah, if, there's, as I said, there's certain promises that patience is not required. And so when you're exercising your faith in those promises, if, you, if it doesn't, if it's not manifested instantly, then you need to go back and check, have I met the conditions? Because that's the, that's the, that's the, the hindrance, that's the blockage. It's not your patience, okay? However, there are... Uh, promises of God that do require patience and those are all the ones that we're going to have a look at now um, in certain areas where we, it is required of us to exercise patience in order to receive the promise of God being made manifest in our lives and normally um, these promises involve the wills of other people um, what do I mean by that? Well, the one example that we, and I really only want to look at one example on this particular issue today, and that is the example on a financial blessing in our lives. When we are, when we are trusting God to be bless us financially, um, that, that money doesn't drop out of the sky. Um, you know, you might have faith like uh, our Lord and you just instruct Peter to go to the, the fish and cast in a hook and the first fish that comes out, there's going to be a piece of money and that'll be for you and me, Peter, go pay our taxes with that money. Um, and that is something God does. Or it might be a case of, as the prophet did to the, the widow, remember she comes to the prophet, she said, you know, um, um, my husband has died and he served you faithfully and now we're sitting in a problem, it's just me and my son and the creditor, creditor wants to take everything away from us. And so the prophet says to her, okay, what, what I want you to do is go get jars from all your neighbors, don't get a few, get a whole bunch of jars, uh, uh, close the door and fill the jars. He said, what have you got? She says, I've just got a bit of oil. Okay, so now the prophet can work with that. And so the prophet then, uh, by faith um, tells her that she must pour the oil and as she does the oil just keeps flowing and the oil keeps flowing until every jar in the house is full and she's able to then to take that oil go sell it pay off all of her debts and still live off of that oil for her and her son for the rest of her life so it was really a, a huge financial blessing um, so yeah that is that's in instantaneous there's no time delay there but when you, you believe in God for finances to come through into your bank account for argument's sake, for whatever reason that you need in money. Now other people are involved. Now God has to now um, deal with the wills of people out there. And not everybody is completely uh, yielded to, to following and hearing from God. And so sometimes it takes this, in this instance, it takes a bit of time. Let's have a look at a scripture which is very popular for people that believe on the financial side is quoted very often in Philippians chapter 419 uh, Paul writing to the church at Philippi and he says and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus 
And so we claim that scripture when we're talking about our financial need. My God, Father, you will supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I thank you very much for that. When Paul makes that comment, if you go read the scriptures and you have a look at the background to it, he's made that comment in relation to his own financial need. He has been uh, experiencing some hardships. I think he was in the church, in the, in, in, it wasn't in Macedonia at the time, because uh, Philippi is in Macedonia. I think, that, I don't know where he was writing from, um, but he wasn't in Macedonia. And he was experiencing financial need because, uh, he, he, you know, that he just ran out of money by and large. And so he was trusting God to supply his need. And he, that's what he was, uh, that's why he, he quotes this particular scripture. And what had happened was when, when Paul went to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, I need, obviously, and God knows our needs. However, still, we've gone down this road. We've answered the question that the fact is we still need to ask God, even though he knows every need. He still requires of us to ask. And so Paul had gone to the Lord uh, with his financial need. What the Lord had then done as he had moved upon the church at Philippi. They had taken up an offering for Paul and they had then sent that offering through to him. And his needs were now met financially. And in response to that, Paul then gives them a, 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 a teaching along the line of financial need. And he ended up with this uh, famous uh, comment that everybody uses, and my God shall supply all of your need according to your, his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But he, prior to that, he's just said, you know, I, you know I, I, I've learned how to be abased and I've learned how to abound. I've learned how to suffer need and, I, and I've learned how to uh, be um, uh, fully supplied. And then he says, you know, you guys were the only church um, outside of Thessalonica sorry, um, that shared with me in the, the, the message of giving and receiving. None of the other churches have, have been sharing with me in that aspect, but you guys have. And now you sent this offering through to me and I, and I bless the Lord for you for doing that. And so, but it took time from the time that Paul asked the Lord, uh, Lord, I'm, I'm starting to take some strain in my finances here because, you know, I'm not getting any uh, funds from the churches where I'm ministering here. So I need you to, to step in and supply this need. And so the Lord then moves on the church at Philippi. They take up an offering and they send it through to Paul. But all of that takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And so in that time period, from the time that Paul makes his request to God regarding his financial need, until the time that it is manifested in that whoever came to Paul, wherever he was at that time, and said, yeah, Paul, here's an offering from the church at Philippi. That, you know, they, they felt the letter of the Lord to give. Because Paul never asked, wrote to the church in Philippi and said, won't you guys please take an offering for me because I'm short and I need some money. And they said, okay, well, you know, we'll wire it through to you, Paul. We'll send it through uh, by a pigeon. No, that's not the case at all. Paul goes to the Lord. And Paul makes his request known to the Lord. He doesn't let the church at Philippi know what his problems are. Okay, God then supernaturally moves on the church at Philippi. And he says to them, and he moves upon the, the eldership, whatever it is, uh, and they pray and they, they, they just felt led of the Lord. You know, we need to be taking up an offering for Paul. We haven't, we haven't sent him a love offering for a long time. And uh, God just starts moving on their hearts. And so they decide to take up an offering for Paul and they give it into somebody's hands, whoever it might have been, take this down to where Paul is uh, and give, give it to him and tell him that this is uh, a blessing from us to him. And God then 
manifests that which Paul had requested. But in all that time, Paul has to wait in faith and in patience. He has to exercise patience. He's made his request known unto God, and now he's waiting for that manifestation to take place. And it does take place. But it takes place over a period of time. And so that's one of the areas where when we are requesting, the, uh, when we believe in the promise of God to be made manifest in our lives, there is a time delay and patience has to kick in. And it's normally when we are making, when we're trusting God for uh, Him to make a, uh, for His promise to be made manifest in our lives, that involves the wills of others. Okay, whenever God has to get inv- uh, start ma- not manipulating, that's not the right word, uh, influencing the wills of others, because everybody has a free will. And so let's try and put it across, see the spiritual aspect of what transpires. Um, God says to whichever angel it might be, I want you to go and, and influence that the church of Philippi take up an offering for Paul. And so the angel goes and he begins to, you know, speak into the ears of the people and the Holy Spirit begins to move. Uh, you know, you guys really need to be taken. And so they pray and Paul comes up in their, their thinking, yeah, okay. But the one is, you know, so caught up in his own affairs, he doesn't really pick it up. Um, well, one and two, and so they're talking, you know, yeah, 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 God laid Paul on my heart. God laid Paul in your yeah. Okay, well, let's maybe this Sunday take up an offering for Paul. And uh, let's see what happens. And so they take up the... The point is, is that God has to uh, influence the wills of other people. Um, And all of that takes time. And people are slow to react quite often. And so the one who's believing God and who's trusting God for the promise to be made manifest in his life, he needs to now exercise patience in this area. And he needs to now just patiently wait because now he, you make your, your request known to God with thanksgiving. Now God is in God's hands and God now sorts it out. And it's up to us to be patient in that area. And that's one of the areas where we do need to exercise patience uh, alongside our faith. So it's not going to be, Lord, I expect you, um, I'm asking you for, I don't know, thousand rand, and I thank you for it, it's in my bank account now, and I go log on, and I look in my bank account, okay, Lord, so where's the thousand rand? I, I, I asked you for it, I believed you for it, it should be there. Um, no, that's not how God works in that aspect. Now it's a case of, okay, I've asked you for it, I believed you for it, I thank you for it. And now... I'm just going to patiently believe and, and, and wait in patience until that thousand rand is made manifest. Now, it should happen within a, a reasonable space of time. So it shouldn't be that you ask for it and then you have to wait 25 years for it. That's not God at all. All right. But uh, there's a degree of patience that's required depending on um, what we're asking the Lord to bless us with uh, when other people, other wills are involved. That's just one uh, example. Then there's another area that we have to exercise patience alongside our faith in order to uh, see the full manifestation of God's promise uh, taking place in our lives. And that is in our growth as believers, in our growth as being uh, children of God, as, as, as being Christians. And scripture we can look at is in Luke chapter 8, verse 15. Our Lord speaking about... Um, how the word and this is the, the 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 parable of the sower that he's speaking about. And there were four categories of people that fell in, into that parable. 
The first category were those that didn't hear the word of God. They didn't understand it, so they were never saved. They heard it, sorry. They heard it, but they didn't understand it, so they, they were never saved. The second category are the ones that heard the word of God. They were saved, and then they, um, when things got started going weird in their lives for being a Christian, uh, they fall away. The third category were the, the guys that got involved with, um, they heard the word of God, got born again, and then the cares of this life, the, life, the deceitfulness, the riches, the lust for other things enter, and choke the word and they never produce fruit. And then there's this fourth category. And even within the fourth category, the fourth category are those who hear the word of God and produce fruit. Um, but even within this fourth category, there, were, there, there are different groupings. And remember, the Lord said, some produce uh, uh, 30 fold, some 60 fold, some 100 fold. And so there is even inside there, uh, not, we're not all the same. Some of us are more fruitful than others. But this is the, the parable that the Lord speaks about. And he's talking about the, the ones now that are fruitful, the ones that are going to bear fruit in his kingdom. And this is how he says we bear fruit. He says in verse 15, But the ones that fell on the good ground uh, are those who, having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, keep it, when, they, when he says keep it, he's talking about doing it. Quite often the scripture says uh, when you keep, the, you know, keep to keep things is to, is to do it. Um, and bear fruit with patience. Okay, And so this concept is very simple for us to understand because now we're talking about bearing fruit. And when you bear fruit, it, fruit never bears overnight. So it's not a case of... Uh, you plant the apple tree, the seed in the, in the soil tonight, and tomorrow morning you go out and you, and you, you pick apples. That's not the case at all. Um, fruit takes time to be produced. And that is what he's talking about in our Christian walk, is that we bear fruit with patience. And so we're, we're to patiently continue in doing the things of God in our lives so that eventually... The fruit of God's uh, Holy Spirit that has been, you know, well, the fruit of the Spirit, which is actually the fruit of our Spirit, uh, but that seed is from God, um, grows and matures, and eventually it produces fruit. But it will only produce fruit with patience. We have to be patient in waiting for our harvest to come in. Now, our farmer understands this concept very clearly. A wheat farmer will plant his seed and he doesn't expect to uh, reap wheat the next day. He knows from experience that when he plants his seed, within four months, that seed will have ripened, grown fully, and then he can reap that harvest. It takes the four-month time period from the time he plants until the time he can uh, reap. And so that is the principle that our Lord is teaching us, is that... We're in, in our Christian walk, in our, in our Christian growth, in, in becoming more like Jesus, in, in, in God transforming our lives. Because each one of us, He's predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. And so that is the will of God for our lives. Now, some never really get there. Remember, our Lord said, some will produce 30-fold, some will produce 60-fold, some will produce 100-fold. Not everybody gets to the 100-fold mark. Some only come in with a very little bit of fruit. Uh, some come in, as I say, with, as the Lord said, with a hundredfold fruit. And so, but the point is, is that nobody produces fruit overnight. It is all uh, a, a lengthy process which requires patience. 
Um, Lord, I'm not seeing the transition in my life. I see your word saying that I should be walking uh, in love and I should be walking in forgiveness and I should be walking um, in peace and that, but I'm not really experiencing that because, you know, I'm, and this is now the Lord trying to answer, you're still a baby Christian, you're still growing and, and you're not going to have uh, ripe apples on your tree just yet. Uh, they're not there yet. You, they're still, you're just a sapling and you know, you still got to grow. The, the leaves are still going to come, the branches are still going to come and only here, down the line, do does the fruit start to be produced in our lives and then you see it and others see it too. Uh, they see the fruit of, of love, joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, uh, self-control uh, being made manifest in your life. You see that as well but it takes time it's a growth process and the farmer also understands that when he plants the seed he doesn't then just forget about it God causes the increase God causes the growth to take place um, let's have a look at the, uh, our Lord giving a bit more description on this line in Mark chapter 4 uh, beginning at verse uh, 26 our Lord's um, and moving on to verse 29 and this is our Lord speaking he says and he said the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow he himself does not know how and that's also something we need to understand we don't understand how God does it God is the one who gives the increase remember Paul said it he said I've watered, uh, uh, sorry, I've sowed seed, Paul, uh, Apollos watered, but it is God who gives the increase. And so we don't understand how it is that God does the transformation in our lives. That's not our problem. We, it's not something that God expects us to understand. Um, no scientist understands how it is that uh, an acorn uh, has inside of it a forest of oak trees. All right? No scientist understands how that how that is possible. It, that's God. God understands that. Um, you know, we they, they can obviously watch it and they can see. Okay, well, this is the stage, and this is the next stage. This is the next stage. But nobody understands how that happens to go from that to to that to a forest. Nobody understands. And God understands because He's God and He He is the Creator, and that is His domain. God is the Creator. He creates all things. Even Christ Jesus in us. He creates us uh, in the image of His Son. And so all He expects of us to do is to be obedient to what His Word says to do. And so go back to the farmer with his, his, his wheat crop. Once he plants the seed, he still nurtures the seed and he still waters the seed. He doesn't just put it in the ground and leave it and, you know, well, if, if I get a crop, so be it. If I don't get a crop, you know, well, then I'll... I'll just close up and stop farming. No, he's you know he's expecting to get a crop, and so he makes sure that the weeds stay out of his field, whatever it is. Um, he makes sure that the the the, the what um, you get these insects that affect whatever it is. But he does his part. He doesn't do the growing part. God does the growing part. He does the nurturing part, and that is what God is respecting, expecting of us as believers. We do the nurturing part. And so we continually water the seed that is sown in our hearts through prayer, through the Word of God, through meditating upon His Word, and being diligent in doing what we know to do. 
all right? When we are diligent in doing what we know to do, God then does the rest and God causes the increase to take place. Now, part of what being diligent in doing what we know to do is to continue in faith with patience. And so it's in faith, Lord, I'm expecting that I am, you're transforming me from glory to glory, even into the image of your glory. And the Bible talks about the fact that that's exactly what the Spirit of God does within each one of us, is that He is continuously transforming us from glory to glory, even into the image of His glory. But we have to be beholding His glory that is within us in a mirror. How do we do that? We spend time reading the Word of God. We look at what the Word of God says about us, and we confess that over our lives, and we pray that over our lives. And we act on that over our lives. Um, and so by faith, we do these things. And, you know, a sapling is not going to be as, as visible an apple tree as a full-grown apple tree. But nevertheless, it is still an apple tree. It's just at a different stage of growth. And the seed is also just at a different stage of growth. So it might be that the seed is underground and you see nothing in your life. You don't see any uh, uh, evidence of growth taking place but we all understand the concept that when a seed is planted it first sends down root and then it sends up the, the, the stem well they both kind of come out at the same time but all of that initially is taking place underground hidden from view and so it cannot be seen and so you know a lot of christians there uh, the frustration maybe kicks in because they don't see anything taking place. You know, they're still getting short-tempered with things that they, they know they shouldn't be short-tempered with. No, you just need to be patient now. You just need to nurture the seed that's been sown and water a seed and, and feed on the Word of God and nurture it and God causes the increase to take place. And we've dealt with the fact that there is spiritual growth required, especially in the, well, in, in the area of faith. And... Uh, Spiritual growth takes place far more rapidly than uh, natural growth. And, uh, but, and it's all dependent on us. Um, you know, uh, the scriptures, our uh, Lord says that, what's the word? Um, not whom much is given, much is required. It's, uh, it's given to you, according to the measure you meet, it shall be measured unto you. That's it. And so we decide how much of God's Word we're prepared to absorb in our lives. And that also decides not, how, not only how fruitful we will be, but also how quickly and how rapidly our lives will change and be uh, transformed into the image that God has called us uh, to, to reach into. And so I stopped at verse 27. Sorry, let's carry on verse 28. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And so our Lord says, you guys don't understand what's going on behind the scenes, and you don't need to understand that. He said, you all, because it, God's the one who does it. The earth yields its fruit, uh, it's cropped by itself. He's talking about what God actually does. Uh, first the blade. So you only see sometimes, you, you see the blade coming up. And so you see just a small little evidence of God working in your life. There's a transformation. I used to get upset by that. And that's not upsetting me anymore. Okay, and so now things are starting to, I'm starting to see more of the, the fruit of God, or a better analogy, being made manifest in my life. And then our Lord says, first the blade, then the head. So then you see some more uh, evidence. 
And so, yeah, uh, there are stages in our growth. And so we mustn't get frustrated when our stages in our growth are very small. Um, I think it's the Old Testament says, do not despise the uh, area of small beginnings or something like that. And so that is, that's when you're most vulnerable, by the way, is when you are in a sapling stage. It is far easier to pull a sapling out of the ground than it is to pull a full-grown apple tree out of the ground. Um, and so it's, it's vital at that, at that time that we exercise faith and patience and not in frustration give up because and we say all right but lord i'm not seeing any change in my life you know i shouldn't be reacting like i'm reacting i, sh- I should have by now uh, started to see more fruit in my life um it might be that you should have by now it might be that you're not meeting the condition you're not nurturing the seed you're not giving it enough water you're not uh, spending it enough time in the word of god and you're not allowing your spirit to grow uh, as quickly as it should grow and that's where the level of frustration maybe kicks in. But if you are nurturing your seed and you're doing the, what is necessary, God is faithful. And we just need to then exercise faith and, and say, thank you, Lord. I thank you that you are, because that's what his scripture teaches us, that he transforms us from glory to glory, even into the image of his son. And that is what he's, he's it's not his man, it's man, he's given himself that mandate. That that's what he's done because he's predestined each one of us to be conformed into the image of his son, Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of people say, okay, but that's when we're going to meet the Lord when he returns. Yes, we'll have, well, that's when we'll be perfected. But the, uh, God always expects us to be growing in this life and to be maturing from being a baby Christian to becoming mature Christians and mature believers. And the mature believer is the one who's walking in the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is made abundant in their lives. And others are then blessed through that individual as they spend time with faith, in patience, bringing their crops to, um, to harvest. And that, that takes time, but it takes patience as well. So you, sh- you must not go dig up your, 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 the seed that you sown. You must just let it lie, water it, nurture it, and God will cause the increase to take place. And then there's the, another area where patience is required in our Christian walk. And this is the last area we want to deal with today, and that's the area of trials. Trials and, t- and testings that come along in our lives. And uh, we'll start off with a scripture, and it's a scripture that a lot of people know very clearly. Um, it gets quoted very often in regards to this, because it's a very pertinent scripture, what the Holy Spirit was teaching on, on this particular point. And so, James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, scripture says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so, Holy Spirit is so clear on this passage of Scripture. None of us will reach um, perfection and completion. When he talks about perfection, talking about maturity. None of us will reach that unless we do it with patience. Patience is required in order for us to reach maturity in Christ. Look at verse 4 again, it says, But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, wanting nothing, lacking nothing. And so you can bring that down into the, the individual promise that you're trusting God for, in that you're patiently waiting for that promise to be made manifest, 
and when you are patient and you allow God to do it, then that promise will be made manifest in your life. Yes, that's correct. But he's also talking about um, reaching maturity in Christ, that in order for us to get to that point where we, are, we do become mature uh, believers, patience is required. If we do not let patience have, a, have its, its perfect work, we'll never get there. And so you cannot say, okay, well, I, you know, I've tried this and it didn't work, and so you know, I don't do that anymore. No, because now you've just stopped doing what you're supposed to do, and you're supposed to nurture the seed and water the seed and, and make sure that you're continuously looking after that seed, and God is the one who causes the growth to take place. And so you can't stop. You have to continually do it in patience, and God will then bring to fruition that which he said would come to pass in our lives. But he specifically links this point here to trials. And so trials in our, in our, come into our lives. God allows trials and testings to come into our lives. That is part of what God does. And one of the reasons he does that is so that he can bring out um, this fruit of patience in our lives. Because without it, we're never going to reach maturity. And so God wants to us, all of us to be mature and so he does allow us to go through testing and trials. And what is being tested when we go through it? Well, it's our faith. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. And so my faith has to be tested. That's something that God has designed. Our faith has got to be tested. And the, the result of our faith being tested is that patience is produced. And so unless I allow my, patient, my faith to be tested, I will never produce patience in my life. Unless I, never, I produce patience, I will never become mature as a believer. And so it's that step of that process. Now, it's not a pleasant process to go through. It's never pleasant to go through trials. Trials are, are designed uh, to be unpleasant, uh, for want of a, of a better way of putting it across. But trials are not a, a pleasant thing to go through. But trials are very necessary for us to go through because what, what has happened is now we put our faith out there. We're believing God for whatever it is. And now comes the trial. The trial is, well, I'm going to throw something at you. And it's not God, but something is thrown at us that is contrary to what we believe in. And now, now comes the, the test. Are we going to remain in faith or are we going to fall to the trial? In other words, are we just going to give up? Because I'm believing one thing, but the, the natural circumstance coming against me is contrary to what I'm believing. So now I've got a choice. I can either uh, say, no, I'm staying on what I'm believing. I'm not going to be moved by that which I see. Or I can look at the circumstance and say, okay, well, it's not working. Um, so I'm going to go with the circumstance. My circumstance says, this is how I, I should be behaving, so I'm just going to behave like that. Uh, I'm not going to, in faith, say, wait a minute, I don't behave like that anymore. I behave like this because I'm a child of God. And so that's where the test comes in. And you know, the, 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 a classic example given to us in Scripture is Joseph. Joseph in the Old Testament is a very good account given to us of one who was tested and tried in order to receive an, the promise of God being made manifest in his life. Uh, when Joseph was 17 years old, uh, roughly, he starts to receive dreams from the Lord. And, and those dreams are very powerful in that he sees the whole family bowing down before him. 
and everybody understands, he, he obviously shares his dreams, and everybody understands his dreams, and nobody gets very excited about his dreams, including uh, uh, Jacob and, and uh, his mother. They don't get very excited about the dream because they also are not too keen about the fact that they're going to be bowing down to their son. Um, his brothers get very aggro about the, his dreams. And that's a, just an aside, not always are people going to get very uh, excited about God's, what, when God deals with you, about what he's going to be doing in your life. Um, and if you share it with other people, you, you're going to get some people out there that are not going to be very happy with what you share with them. So you need to maybe be uh, use a bit of wisdom in, as to who you share, what you share with them. But Joseph was only a 17-year-old boy when he had his dreams, and so he shared them with the family. Uh, it didn't go down well, but as it is, it turns out that that was God all, the, all along. But what actually happens now? So Joseph, his brothers sell him as a slave. He goes down to Egypt. He serves as part of a slave um, faithfully. And he gets promoted as part of the slave. He becomes the head uh, steward of the home. And then he gets falsely accused by part of his wife. Uh, she accuses him of trying to rape her. And that was obviously false accusation, but nobody listens. And he gets thrown into jail. And he's now in jail. And he gets uh, put in there for a number of years. From the time that he has his dream at the age of 17 until the time that God's uh, promise is made manifest in his life, there's a 13-year time delay. Because it's only when he's 30 years old that he has made, um, he's taken out of jail and he's made the governor of Egypt. Um, so for 13 years, he goes through hardship. And it's not, and none of it was deserved. He didn't get, he didn't deserve to be sold as a slave. He didn't get, he didn't deserve to be thrown into prison. All of it was him being treated unfairly. Uh, you know, he didn't do anything that said, okay, well, Joseph, you really messed up in this area, so now, you know, you're going to get sold as a slave. And Joseph, you really sinned in this area, so we're going to put you in prison for a while. He was serving God faithfully all the time. You look at the Psalms, the Bible talks about the fact that God was actually testing him. Um, he, his feet were put in, in, in fetters and his feet hurt, the Bible says. And so it was not a, a happy period for Joseph for 13 years. Now the Lord did bless him uh, in that testing, in that when he was made a slave, he became the head slave. And when he went into prison, he became in, uh, somebody in charge of the prison. But still, it's no fun being somebody's slave. And it's certainly no fun being in prison. And so, you know, even though the Lord was with him in all that period, it was still not a happy time for Joseph. He wanted out. I mean, he, when he spoke to the baker and the butler, he said, guys, remember me when you get out of here, because I'd like to get out of here too. So, you know, Joseph wanted to get out. He didn't want to say, well, you know, Lord, I'm prepared to stay in jail for the rest of my life. You know, that's your will for my life. Because remember, he had the dreams. God had shown him, Joseph, this is where, where I'm going to take you. This is what I'm going to be doing in your life. And so now he serves God faithfully all through it. He never, we don't see any instance of Joseph starting to grumble and complain and saying, Lord, I don't, I don't understand this. I'm serving you faithfully and look what happened. I get thrown in, I, I become, I get sold as a slave. And then he, he kind of starts to work his way up again and then he gets falsely accused and gets thrown into jail. 
Again, he doesn't go to God and say, God, I don't understand it. This, you know, I serve you faithfully, and look how you reward me. You get me thrown in jail. I mean, this is just not on. I'm really doing what I know to do, and yet those dreams of yours that you gave me are just not coming to fruition in my life. We don't see that in Joseph at all. We see him consistently being faithful in serving God. And the Bible very plainly tells us that God was tested. It was God who was testing him through this whole time. Now God did that because God knew that he could test Joseph because God knows all things and God knows the end from the beginning. And so God knew that Joseph would be faithful. And so God, but God, God still tests him. When we get to heaven, we'll have perfect knowledge. We'll understand it all. While we're on this planet, we don't understand it, or we know in part. And so I do not understand how God, why God does that, but He does do that. It has something to do with bringing out in us that which God has seen in us, and he, God wanting it to be made. But also the blessing. God wants to bless us. And let's have a look at the scripture in Genesis chapter 50, in verse 20. This is when uh, Joseph makes himself known to his brothers and he's now sharing with them because he's now seeing in hindsight because now he's seeing the dream come to pass. Okay, this is at this time he's seen the dream. His brothers are bowing down to him physically. They don't know that he's uh, Joseph, their brother at this time. He's now going to make himself uh, known to them. But prior to this, they bowed down to him. And so he's seen God's dream that he gave him 13 years before come to pass. And so in hindsight, Joseph is now speaking to his brothers and he's saying, but as for you, you, my brothers, meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. And so we know that what happened to Joseph is that he goes from being a, a, a prisoner in jail to being the governor of the most, or the, the, the president of the most powerful nation on the earth at that time. Uh, Egypt was a very powerful nation in those days. And God promotes him from being in jail to being the president of the nation. The only person that was above him was Pharaoh himself. Everybody else was, was below Joseph at that time. God pr instantly promoted him, took him right from the bottom to the top. And so much so that Joseph, the Bible talks about the fact that all of Pharaoh's ministers um, had, had to listen to whatever Joseph said. Joseph had full control of that nation and full control of that empire. Uh, he, God made him that powerful. But it, he took him, and, but it took him 13 years to, to bring him to that place. But also, there's the God's timing was right, okay? Because now God was wanting... Um, the, the famine to kick in, uh, the, seven, remember the seven years of, of, of plenty and the seven years of, of, of famine in order to bring Jacob down into Egypt. And so God is doing all these things because God is God and he's putting everything together. Um, and we'll close off with the scripture where God does work all things together for good because God is in full control. Um, you know, Jesus made so many different comments about the fact that God is so much in control. The very hairs of our head, he says, are numbered. Um, and not one hair falls out unless God knows about it. And God, God decrees that, they, in my case, a fair amount of them have fallen out. But, I'm, you know, it's something interesting our Lord says. He says that not one hair of your head, hair on your head will be lost. 
Uh, and so everyone, when we get our, our resurrected bodies, gets their full uh, head of hair back. But be that as it may. Um, but here, Joseph is seen in hindsight. He's looking back over his life and he's saying, okay, guys, you intended this to happen. However, God was actually behind it all. God was telling you guys to do, not telling so much, but influencing you guys to do this so that he could bring me down here, so that I could be here at this time, and so that he, God could use me at this time to save many people, and so he does. And so that is a, a type in the old covenant of our life today. We have an adversary, and our adversary is the devil, okay? And our adversary, the devil, is always going to do whatever he can to prevent the promises of God to come to pass to fruition in our lives. And that's what he does. That's, that's, uh, that's, his, that's his mandate kind of in the earth. Um, we have the promises of God. Remember we started this teaching by saying that we have the promises of God. Um, and each one of the promises of God of yes and amen to us who, who are in Christ Jesus. And so God shows us right up front, this is my promise to you. This is what I want you to be. This is who I've called you to be. I've called you to be conformed to the image of my son. And so that is God's end result. That is what God is intending for each one of us. So he shows us the end from the beginning. Now, it is up to us to now faithfully serve the Lord and allow Him to bring His promises to fruition in our lives. And that takes patience. It's not going to happen overnight. A lot of the promises of God take patience. And now the testings and the trials come from our adversary. He brings them into our lives. And what does He do that for? His, his whole purpose is to try and get us to throw in the towel and to give up and to to not patiently endure. And that is what God is saying to us. He says, guys, you need to be patiently endure, enduring through all the testings and trials that come through in your life. The Christian walk is not uh, a walk on rose petals from the time you get saved until the time you go to be with the Lord. Not at all. The Christian walk is uh, full of tribulations and trials. You know, we're the angel speaks to uh, the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, and John sees the myriads of, of saints standing before the throne of God and worshiping God. And the angel says, oh, now the elder comes to John, he says, who, do you, who are these guys? And so John says, yeah, you know, I don't. And so he says, these, have come, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. And so heaven views this life that we live in as the great tribulation. When our Lord was in the... In, 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 in the last night of the this last, this last supper, he was speaking to the disciples. He says, you guys have been with me in my trials. And so our Lord hadn't yet gone to the cross, but he was talking about his life up to them. They, they, they had been with him for the two-year period. Um, has been trials that he'd gone through. And there were a lot of trials that he went through. I mean, the, the guys tried to stone him. The guys tried to throw him off a cliff. You know, he was not the most popular prophet in Israel at the time. He was hated by many people. In fact, the majority of the Jews hated him. And so, you know, he talks to his disciples, said, you guys have been with me in my trials. Um, and even though the Lord had blessed him and the Lord had been with him all through that, it was still trials that he went through. And we go through trials. Paul talking to the church <coughs> at Ephesus. Um, I might, might not be at Ephesus, but in the book of Acts, he talks about, oh, when he, you know, talking to the churches in Lystra, Iconium, and, and um, Derby, 
He says, through many tribulations, we must enter into the kingdom of God. And so uh, the, the, the Christian walk is, is not an easy walk if you're going to be faithful in serving the Lord. Now, if you're going to back down every time a trial comes to you, then it, you can go for the easy route. But you'll never bring to fruition um, a hundredfold in your life. You might even battle to bring forth thirtyfold in your life. The, the Christian that brings forth a lot of fruit is the Christian who with, with patience bears fruit. And patience is required when we go through testing and trials. Because without the, the, uh, the testing and trials will never produce patience. And so it's so important that when we encounter testing, count it all joy when you enter into various testings and trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And so it's so important for us as believers to recognize what is being tested when the trial pitches. It's our faith that's being tested. All right? And the, the scripture says that our faith is, is, is um, more precious than fine gold refined in the fire. And so our faith will be tested. That is part and parcel of the Christian walk. In the book of Psalms, the Bible talks about the fact that God tested Joseph. Is this one really um, able to receive the blessing that I have in store for him? Or, or will he fail the test and therefore I can't, I can't use this one? No. And so God tests us. And in the New Testament, the scripture says God tests our heart. Uh, he knows us, but he still tests us. And so we have to be faithful when the testing and the trial comes upon us. And we do that by responding in patience. And we patiently wait and endure. And we don't pack up our, our goods and, and start grumbling and complaining. But we just thank the Lord. Lord, your word is true. And what you said will come to pass in my life is coming to pass. And I thank you um, that my, my faith has been tested in this. And I thank you that it's producing patience in my life. And when we have that attitude, we will experience the blessing of God in our life. And we'll close off the, this teaching on this scripture today, which is in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. The scripture says, And we know that all things, this is not some things, all things, work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And so when things go pear-shaped in our lives, if you love God and you know that you're called according to His purpose, just let patience have its perfect work. Stay in faith and allow God to work through you and allow the, the fruit of patience to be made manifest in you that you may be made perfect and complete and entire, wanting nothing. And so we see very clearly in Scripture that in certain instances, remember it's not all instances, there are certain promises, in instantaneous manifestation should take place. If it doesn't, you need to go back and check have you met the conditions. But there are going to be instances where our patience has to work with our faith in order for us to see the end result being made manifest in our lives. And we're going to end the teaching on that particular point today.